Well, hey, what's going on? It is Tuesday night, and we are back for another exciting episode of Brothers from the 818. Just love saying that. I love saying it because it's true. Uh, I love saying it because I look forward to Tuesday nights. But most importantly, I love saying it because it gives me a chance to chop it up with my man, 50 Grand. Caleb, what's going on? Hey, man. Um, how are you, Dave? What's man, going on? I can't complain. I'm tired. It's been... This is the summer for me, man. And people are like, you don't do nothing during the summer. I'm just like, walk a mile in my shoes. I, I am exhausted. But, you know, I got a, a boost of energy right now just because we're about to do this thing. And tonight's going to be fun. I'm telling you right now. Well, um, things, things over here, man, status quo. Um, family's well. Um, I'm still employed, right? I haven't, I haven't caught uh, COVID yet. Uh, I haven't caught COVID, period. Period. All right, I don't want to say yet. And so things are status quo, so I'm happy. Good, man. I, I, I like that. Because it's family, I'm going to say status quo is a good thing. Any other time, and maybe we'll pull that up as a topic. Status quo means you're not moving forward, man. And, and we have that, that conversation a lot. And family, and especially in this crisis that we're going through, pandemic that we're going through, status quo is a wonderful thing. Um, if I can continue on the pace that I started yesterday and not fall off this rat race, uh, things are going really good. So I'm going to take that from you right now. Um, I, don't, I don't have a whole lot to check in. The one thing I really want to say is Kanye is not running for president. <laughs> I knew you were going to do it, man. I knew you were going to do it, man. I knew you were going to bring up Kanye, man. Yeah, man, because we talked about it last week, right? And I don't know if I even mentioned it last week, but, you know, it, he was talking about it. Now, was it talk? Was it real? I don't know. We talking about Kanye. So if I say it wasn't real, he'll do it just to spite me, right? And so it, I don't know what it is. But what I do know is, you know, he actually tried to get on the ballot in a couple places. And I don't even think he finished the process. I just think he realized the workload it was going to take to get on with such short notice. Um, but, you know, even that being said, he was getting some people backing him. Chance the Rapper. I love Chance the Rapper, man. But he's like, you know, I'd back Kanye, you know, and I'm just like, that. what? Um, Elon Musk, Anything he says, I'm like, whatever, man, do you. All that. And there was somebody else who was backing him. And I was just like, you know, what, what I found most interesting, I don't remember the name, I probably shouldn't even mention it, but somebody else said, you know, so is our role just to disrupt the process, right? Are you just trying to be somebody else to distract from what we really should try to do because the, the pool looks that bad? Or are you really trying to do something? So. I'm like, whatever. That's my check-in, though, man. I just, I was looking forward to today to get to you just to say Kanye is not running for president. So I, uh, let me just say, man, that um, last week when we talked about it, I was thinking that I was really hoping that that would just kind of just fade away yeah. because I don't want Trump's opposition to lose any votes. I don't care if it's in California. I don't care if it's, if, if, it's a, if it's a stronghold for the Democrats. I don't want to play that game. We played that game in 2016. Right. So uh, let me check it. Nine, one, three, three, one. <laughs> um, Pacoima. COVID, man. What? Pacoima. <laughs> Pacoima. Um, I think, um, I think, Something's happened in our state. Something happened in our state, and, and we are back to uh, almost shutting down all the doors and going back to square one. Um, in our country, we have lost 
more than 130,000 people to COVID. Yeah. Um, I ran some numbers, man. And, and in California, we have more than 7,000 people that lost their lives in, in uh, Los Angeles County, uh, almost 3,000 people. And in the city that I live in, it's almost 50,000, I'm sorry, yeah, 50 people <laughs> that have lost their lives, right? right. Um, and, and I just live in a small, I live in a small town, right? And so um, COVID is still out there, still killing people, still putting people in the hospital. Um, I would just say that people need to continue to protect themselves. People need to take it seriously. Um, as I said, and as we've said many times, freedom is really going to come when COVID numbers flatten out and uh, the numbers really start going backwards, right, or, or, or going down. Um, that's, the, that's the freedom that we'll have. And until we have people taking it seriously, I walk around and I see people with, with face masks, below their nose, under their mouths, and I'm thinking that is not the purpose for that mask on your face, right? Um, but people just taking it like a joke. This is what I'll say, man. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. We have some guests on tonight. Um, and so I'm really excited, Ben, and, and hopefully I put a smile on your face and a smile on their face as well. Let's, let's get into this entanglement with these wow. ladies. All right, let's just jump right into it and bring them in. Deb, Shay, are you guys out there? Can you guys hear us? Yes, we can. Yes, we yes can. we're Thanks here. Let's get this. entangled. <laughs> Man, you're going to get me in trouble. I, <laughs> entanglement has a whole new definition now. So uh, I just want to say my hands are right here, but keep where everybody can see them. And, and we're going to be safe. We're all separated by some mileage. And, and let's just uh, put on some seatbelts and ride this. I mean, see, yeah, there we go. And, and uh, take it where it needs to go. So well, according to Jada, entanglement just means a relationship. A complicated relationship. Complicated relationship. Right. That has various layers of complexities. According to Will, it's worth repeating an entanglement. <laughs> because he was questioning the language. He was like, let's call it what it is. That was a relationship. Right. Yeah, that's because he didn't want to say what he really wanted to say. But we've been <laughs> moving ahead. Um, let's, let's hear, before we get into that, because uh, let, let's just hear from you. Um, Deb, uh, you heard uh, Caleb and I's check-in. You know, tell us what's going on with you. How you doing? Introduce yourselves to our to our listeners. I'm good. So as you guys said, I'm Debbie. Um, I am a wife and mother of two. I have my bachelor's degree in psychology, master's degree in social work. Um, worked in the field of public child welfare now for 12 years. Um, so that's just a little bit about my background. Um, in terms of how I'm doing right now, you know, just hanging in there every day is um, a blessing, especially right now with everything going on. Um, I, I fortunately or unfortunately, depending on um, your perspective on things, I, I follow uh, LA Public Health pretty closely. We've had our highest record day of COVID, confirmed COVID cases in LA County at uh, over 4,000 today. Um, so, you know, as Caleb said, we're, we're far from over this thing. Um, so it seems like we're going to be in it for the long haul because nobody's learned just yet. Yeah, that's unfortunate. That that number is way too high. I, I think I think I'm gonna go to New Zealand because I read yesterday that they have zero cases. They're not gonna let you in. Oh man, mm -hmm. <laughs> I 
Chrisville or Lago or something. Um, well, thank you, uh, Debbie, since that's how you introduced yourself. Thank you uh, for your check-in. Shay, how you doing? What's going on with you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm blessed. I am alive. My family is safe. And just everything's, everything's really good right now. Despite the challenges we're faced with this pandemic, everything is really good. You know, I am the mother of two boys, a 10-year-old and a 7-year-old. I've been married for 15 years to an amazing husband, and um, we've successfully adjusted to our new normal. And during this strange time, it's brought us closer. And, um, you know, I'm grateful, I'm thankful for that, you know, that we're working as a team and getting through these um, foreign territories. That's good to hear because a lot of people don't, aren't are not going to survive. A lot of marriages are not going to survive COVID. And we right. hear about that in the, in the media as well. Uh, we know that um, um, COVID has kind of forced people and, and couples to really engage with each other, right? Forced couples to uh, spend some time with each other. We had a guest on that said that, that, that defined um, going to work as the mistress. Right, and so I, I I think about that as mm -hmm. um, as something that is uh, that I that I re remember when I think about relationships and people and some of the struggles that that is attached to um, COVID and people being um, in the house together when they're not used to spending all that time. Um, people are um, have to communicate differently, parent differently, and really. Look, at, look differently at the relationship. Right, now don't get me wrong, we definitely did struggle at the beginning of this pandemic like everyone else. Um, but after recognizing that it was impacting us in an unhealthy way, we made a conscious decision to do things differently and have a conversation about it. So we were able to you know, really work through those challenges and get to a place of uniformity where we were on the same page. Love that. Yeah. yeah, that's what's up. That's, um, I think, you know, it's that self-realization, that self-check. A lot of times you go through something and you both see it, uh, but no one wants to say anything. And, you know, just for the record, I don't have a wife. Just me and the boys hanging out and uh, day after day, you might see some dirty draws somewhere, but uh, there's nobody to, do, to not get along with. I don't even have a dog, so it, it's all cool. Um, but, you know, we talked about marriage, we talked about, you know, what COVID's doing and what happens when people come together. And that's it's a, just a great segue. Like I said, we're going to have some fun tonight. And, um, you know, the first topic on the table, we're just going to jump right into it. You ready for this, Caleb? Black Twitter, man. Let's talk about that Black Twitter. So we want to talk about entanglements, of course. Um, I've seen, uh, I think, 12 minutes and 32 seconds of Red Table Talk in my entire life, and that was the last episode of Jada's show on uh, Facebook Live, where she, um, or they, not just she, but Will and Jada Smith um, uh, spoke upon, spoke about the issue uh, with August, and um, a few, maybe a week prior, he had came out and talked about a relationship he had had with Jada, or her press person denied it. Um, and then it blew up in a whole nother way. And then she came out and she admitted that they were in an entanglement. 
And I'm gonna stop there because that's the subject of discussion tonight. So first, before we go any further, has everybody seen it? Yes. Yes, okay, good. So we, now we can at least talk with some education. Um, first impressions, you saw it, anybody. We're gonna do ladies first around here. But um, first impressions, um, watching the table talk, what do you think? Man, um, I think, you know, Jada felt like she needed to address it because it wasn't going away. Um, I think it's something that from, from what I was picking up on some of their verbal and nonverbal stuff, just they're not entirely worked through. Um, you know, I, I think that you know, they are making a conscious effort to maintain their marriage and kudos to them for trying to work through something so difficult. But, you know, it's, it's not an easy thing. And, and I think that um, it was interesting to see the language that was chosen and, you know, sort of their banter on, on chopping up what entanglement really meant. Yeah, um, I'm going to do my best Will Smith impersonation. So what happened, Jada? So what happened? Um, it sounded like, that sounded like me scolding my child after receiving like a phone call from school or something. Um, yeah, um, thank you, Deb, for, for sharing. Shay, what was your first impression? My first impression when I viewed the video, I felt as though they were divided as a couple. So although they were sitting together at the Red Table Talk, they were divided and they were in two different spaces, whether it was an emotional space, um, you know, a psychological space, but there was a lot of trauma, a lot of hurt, a lot of pain that was still festering, you know, and you could see it because Will was wearing it. You know, it was all over his face as Deborah stated his nonverbal. And as Jada began to just, you know, share her story from her lens, from her perspective and experience. It was almost like, okay, it was a matter of fact, this is what happened. You know, we did this, we did this, we've known each other for this time. And I felt like she was emotionally disconnected from it, mm. that she wasn't present with it. But then when she, you know, explained to everyone that the entanglement occurred, you know, several years ago. So they're not understanding why is it coming up now? Yeah. So maybe that was a reason why she was disconnected from it and didn't appear to be emotionally present with those emotions like her husband was but from what i saw he seemed to be really affected by it and i think one of the things that stood out for me in the interview was a statement that they made at the end when they were as deborah stated bantering going back and forth about i'm gonna get you back well no you already got me back you've got me back several times so it just kind of opened the door to, well, what do you mean by getting her, you know, her back? Or he's already gotten you back. So I think that opened the door for those naysayers, for those folks to judge and assume that they're referencing that open relationship, that open marriage. Ooh, let me go, let me go, okay. So you, <laughs> All right, tag, you're it, you, you ready? Bam, there we go. Bam. You, you hit on a couple things and I really gotta address this because you know, I watch movies to look for errors. I, I watch videos to see what other people missed. Um, you know, my, my girl and I, I'm not married, but I, I do have somebody in my life. My girl and I were watching a show the other day and um, it was showing a scene where behind the kid, behind one of the characters was a bike and it kept going back and forth. And then the character walks away and you see the long view and we're both like, where in hell's the bike? 
you know, the bike was just there a second ago, you know, so we watch for things like that. So mm -hmm. if you have to go back and watch it, or for anybody who's watching us tonight, go back and take a look. When the table, uh, Red Table Talk started, Jada was sitting back in her chair. She had her feet on the floor and she was wearing some flip flops, almost like, okay, I'm ready for this, kind of aimed in. When Will, do your impersonation again, Caleb, got to hear it. Got to hear your impersonation. What happened, Jada? She did one of these. She sat back. And I can't get crisscross applesauce in this chair, but she sat back and it was like, okay, now I'm guarded and now I'm back on my defenses. So that was, you know, step one. Two, and, and Shay, you mentioned this, but I have to throw another perspective. And Deb, I think you touched on it as well, that they're not over it. They're still in the middle of it. Now they talked about this was about four or five years old. And yes, Will was wearing something. I don't think he was wearing the hurt of her entanglement. I think what he was wearing was having to defend his wife against a public outing. And I think that was the issue, right? And you get a little further into it, and I thought you were gonna mention this, but you get a little further into it, and, and like at the end, he says, well, I wanna get you back. I don't think it was a, he says, I want revenge, right? Was his exact word. Um, and he said, I don't think it was revenge because you stepped out on me. I think it was revenge because you put us, Will and Jada, Hollywood Power Couple, you put us in a situation that we actually had to defend. Mm. We got our life, we do our thing. The whole open marriage thing has been out there for years and whether it is or not, is or not, right? Um, and you know, in Hollywood where there's money coming in, there's secrets hidden. The money starts to not come in as much and all of a sudden the secrets start coming out. So I think what we were seeing on him, the red eyes, the lean back in the chair, the, the rustled look he had was, I don't believe I now have to come on here and defend this. We're better than that. We're supposed to be able to keep our stuff so tight where you do you, I do me, we do us with others together if necessary or whatever that looks like. I'm not in their marriage, I don't know. But the fact that now we got to come on the public and defend it, this is a problem. Right, and I think that's what he was wearing. I don't think it was the, 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 um, the transgression, because again, like you said, Shay, that I wanna get you back, and she said, you already got me. He says, I wanna get you back for what you did. And she said, you already got me back for that over and over again. And he's like, oh yeah, you got it, you got it. The point was, he wanted to get her back for publicly embarrassing him. That's what it was. And I think that's what diminishes the star or the, you know, people up until two weeks ago were saying, oh, Will and Jada are just the example of a successful marriage and blah, 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 blah. And even for the naysayers out there, that was their public persona, was. Yeah. So, I, um, Will just looked broken, man. He looked like a, he looked like a, a puppy dog that was just kind of just put in the shower and tail up between his legs. He didn't, he didn't look like he was, uh, he didn't look like himself, right? Um, in any interview that I've seen him in, any time I've seen him candid, he didn't look like himself. Uh, something that, that I thought was interesting is that they've already done a lot of work. Like Will said, I was done with your ass, right? Um, and, um, and then he said, I just, wanted you to, I just wanted you to figure out what you needed to do for yourself, and I was going to go figure out what I needed to do for myself. And it sounds as if they've had a lot of therapy trying to address those issues, right? It sounds as if they've taken a lot of steps 
to um, to repair their marriage, and they they thought that they were um, they were done. They thought they were done, and so this makes me think about whether or not I could do it, right? And I think a lot of people are having that conversation. I I don't believe in unconditional love, right? But um, let me let me hear from let me hear from the ladies first, and then um, and then. We'll, we'll get back to, to my thoughts on unconditional love. Um, I, I, I stirred it up for you, Deb. What, do you, what are your thoughts on unconditional love? So before I go there, just real quick, I'm just kind of wondering, do you guys think that it was necessarily that it was that he wasn't over the transgression or the entanglement? Or maybe he's a little upset that like it happened with somebody that they thought they could potentially trust that then outed this situation? Maybe the anger or the the disconnect is really being upset that August didn't keep the secret. Yeah, I think I would say it's definitely more leaning to that side. I think it's August couldn't keep the secret. You were supposed to control that situation with him. Now it's out. I don't think it was the entanglement. I don't think it was the fact that her that his wife slept with another man. I don't think that was the issue, right? And as I said, that was four years ago, four and a half years ago. But it wasn't like, oh man, um, you know, we cheated on our taxes in 2010 and now we got to deal with it, right? But we're over it, but okay, now we'll tell the story. No, this was, they're, they're over whatever the transgression was. It happened, it's done. It wasn't like Will didn't know, at least I wouldn't think he didn't know. Whether he gave permission or not is a whole story depending on who's telling it. But I don't think it was a secret. They said they dealt with it already, mm-hmm. but it was, I think he was embarrassed. And, and literally pissed off because uh, we've been married for 25 years and now we have to go and defend our lives publicly and say some stuff about us. We've always, you know, Will, are you doing this? Nope, but I just made Bad Boy 17. Go watch it. You know, you know he didn't have to defend anything. He's Will Smith, right? right. He had to humble himself and, and, and defend himself. And I think that was the issue. My thoughts on that, Deb, is that um, maybe it, it was because of August, like, she chose someone that was um, not well known, uh, not a celebrity in in his own right. Much younger, and you know the thinking is if you're gonna go out there and cheat, cheat with someone my same status, right? Go out there and find someone that has their own skeletons in their closet that they don't want to let out, right? And so I think it's because of August. Like, how you gonna go? How you gonna cheat with this dude? And when you know that the, the probability of this getting out is, is, more, is more likely. Is it fair, Caleb, to call it cheating if they were on a break? That <laughs> Okay. Let's not call it cheating. Let's call it an entanglement. Okay. All, All right. right. <laughs> now, um, could you please answer my question? Would All you- right. Going back to your question now that I took the bus and, and took it to the left. Um, <laughs> don't mock me. Um, Unconditional love. Man, I, I think I'm with you. I don't know that I could uh, that I could get past certain things. I mean, I would like to think that I'm open-minded enough and I'm committed enough and I, I love my husband and my family enough, but I, I, I have to own it. Like, I'm jealous. I would, I don't know that I could get past something like that. Shay? I agree. I come from, unfortunately, um, a home where it was filled with infidelities on both sides. So my mom and dad had me very young at age 16. They never married. They went off and married, you know, two different individuals. 
And in both of those marriages, there was infidelity. So growing up, I never saw a healthy marriage. To this date, I don't know what a healthy marriage looks like. I don't know what a faithful marriage looks like with the exception of the one that I'm in. And I'm trying to break these generational cycles, you know, so that I model something different to my children. But in regards to unconditional love, because I grew up with cheating being right in my face, that's one of those things that's a bottom line for me. That as a young child, because of the trauma that I saw, because of the impact that I saw it on the other partners that were being faithful, and to be a child and see that hurt, that pain, and carry that with them, that was one thing that I always vowed, that whenever I get married, I will never cheat on my partner. I will be open and honest that if this marriage is no longer for me and my needs are not being met or I don't feel that I'm capable of meeting your needs, to be honest and facilitate a conversation about that as opposed to engaging in those you know, actions and then creating more problems for the family unit and especially if you have children. So my husband and I have always vowed, if one of us is not happy, let's at least be mature enough to have a conversation about it before we act. So. I, uh, you, you hit a, you hit a lot, you're pushing a lot of buttons there. You're pushing a lot of buttons. Um, when I think about their relationship, going back to um, uh, Will and Jada, um, I feel like there's been a lot of scandal that's been rumored about Will and Jada, right? And, um, and so thinking about the family, and or for, let me let me go in a different direction. When you think about just staying in a marriage that is not healthy, in my definition, right? I'm willing to own that. In my definition of healthy, and just staying in it just to not get a divorce, um, like like they were, they admitted that they were separated. And he was done with her, but there was still no plans for a divorce. That doesn't that doesn't resonate with me in regards to unconditional love. I, I'm there with you guys. I, I think that um, I, I would like to think that I'm big enough to to um, to look at my marriage and say, okay, what's the bigger picture? Um, what about my children? What about my commitment? Um, and and um, people make mistakes and yada yada yada, right? But in reality, I don't think that I could do it. And I think about men often um, having a bit a greater challenge with that than women. Um, Dave, with what fidelity? Women. No, well, not necessarily, but not necessarily infidelity, but kind of accepting this, accepting um, missteps, whether it's it's actually stepping out on someone and being intimate or just flirting or i think men have a great a bigger problem with that than women do you think that's that's accurate i you know i don't know that that's specifically tied to gender as much as it's tied to um personality type if you tend to be a jealous person, I don't think it matters whether you're male or female. Um, if that's if that's the the lens that you come from, that's going to be difficult for you. 
if you tend to be more passive, um, male or female, I think that that's going to be something that's easier for you. It also depends on where your values are placed in that, you know, if the value is with the relationship and the family and you're willing to, to, to work through it. If you're, you know, if you're down with an open marriage, I can't relate, but you know, if, if that's what works for you, then I think it's, it's easier on both sides. But I think that, um, you know, if you, if you're the jealous type, it, it takes all kinds, man, male, female, it goes both ways. So I know I'm plenty of jealous is, women. So what am I, what I'm saying is of the men and the women that I know, I think women are more likely to say, let's work it out. Let's try, right? Let's go to therapy. Let's figure out what's wrong. While a man put in that same situation would be like, I'm done. I'm done. So let me, let me throw this out there. Um, uh, Deb, I think you hit a real good point on the head. It's hard to be general about but you know, we're, we're two men, two women discussing this issue. So any viewpoint we have is gonna be first based upon our own interaction, our own feelings and so forth. The rest of it's gonna be based upon a sampling of the population that we know, right? So you're gonna look at your circle of friends, the people you know, the people you've heard about, and you're gonna say, well, no, it's not really about gender, it's about this. And I'm gonna say, well, True, it shouldn't be about gender, but if I look at it, you know, more than 50% of the women I know would do this, more than 50% of the men I know would do that. And so, you know, I just want to be fair and say that, you know, all these statements are really general, general, general statements. We're not making, um, trying not to stereotype, stereotype, trying not to make blatant um, decisions or remarks or accusations against one or the other. Um, I, I do want to say this as a segue. Um, I do believe in unconditional love. And their names are Christ Christopher, Preston, and Xavier. Mm. I will love my children no matter what for the rest of their lives, or at least the rest of mine. And that's it, right? And, and I believe in love. I love love. I love being in love. But there's some deal breakers, right? Yeah. And uh, I love you today. Oh, you did that? Yeah, well, tomorrow's not looking so good for you. And, and, and that's just that. And, and, and I believe, truly, even though, you know, we started a lot of time about Will and Jada, 25 years of marriage, do they still love each other? Maybe. Is it unconditional love in the unconditional love as I think of the term of unconditional love? Probably not. Is it we're stronger together than apart? Maybe. Um, it's, is it because we're a icon, you know, in the community, kind of like, you know, Beyonce and Jay-Z, Will and Jada, you know, uh, 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 Ron and, and Nancy, you know, <laughs> whoever, whatever couples you want to think of, they're better together than they are apart, and they know that. So we will stay in this, you know, uh, for life, if for whatever reason, whether it's the public image, whether it's the children, and so forth and so on. And I think couples make those decisions all the time um, based on that. Caleb, you you mentioned about accepting missteps or transgressions. I, I tend to agree with you. I think the majority of men that I know aren't just going to be like, oh, you stepped out on me? All right, let's work it out. If I'm going to be honest, uh, the majority of men I know, oh, you stepped out on me? All right. And they're they on the phone within the next day, 72 hours max, they stepping out, right? And But they're not even going to step it out to go and- They take in the hall pass. And it's more than a hall pass because they're not going to say, oh, I did it. And hey, I'll throw it back in your face. I did it. Mm -hmm. It's like, you just opened up my license to go do what I want when I want, because I will throw it back in your face at any time what you did. 
but I'm not going to be confessing about it. I'm just going to throw it back in your face. And I think there's a lot of women I know that would do the same thing, but there's also a lot of women that say, hey, I understand stuff happens and I love you and love us enough to work through this. And, and, and I know some men that would do that as well, but there's more right. women on that side and there's more men okay. on that side based upon that thought. Hey, two things, man. I didn't, I'm surprised you didn't mention uh, Bill and Hil Hillary, right? <laughs> and I'm also surprised that you have like a time frame, like a clock, like 72 hours, you know, I'm out. I'm in these streets in 72 hours. That's funny. Within, within, yeah. <laughs> Some 72 or less. Phone call, yeah, 72 or less. Can you make a phone call and line up you something for the night? If you can't, it's happening, um, or whatever this scenario may be. Right. Um, you know, yeah, I just, men are a little, you know, and I'll say it, and I'm not saying it to be abusive or to, to make a crazy statement, but men are possessive, right? And my woman is mine, right? And I don't own her, but, you know, she's mine. And to have anybody else taint her, is a problem and I don't know if it's a problem I can accept, right? And, and I think a lot of men think like that. And I think women, um, the, the women, again, the women who would be like this, I'll say it like that, the women who would be more accepting would be, you know, that's my man. It hurts me that he did that to me, but I know he loves me and the love is more important than anything else, right? I have never met a man in my 49 years that told me, and I've had some confessions, in my 49 years, I've never met a man that told me, look, D, she stepped out, man, but I know she loves me. We're going to work it out. Not even once. Now, I heard some say we're going to work it out because of X, Y, and Z reason. I'm not ready to end this relationship. You know, we got years put in. I got history with this woman. We got a family. I've heard lots of excuses and reasons why I can't stay in this marriage. And if a man is willing to stay, I applaud that, right? Focus on your marriage. But not once have any of them said, man, I know she loves me. It's okay. We're going to work it out not once hasn't happened i think though that has a lot to do with societal conditioning right like women have been put in a position for a long long time where you're right um you know you talk about men being like that's my property that's my wife that's my woman that's by design and that's been by design for a millennia and so, you know, women are conditioned to be more passive, to be more accepting of um, men's transgressions, right? To, um, to stay in abusive relationships, to stay in unhealthy, unhappy relationships, because as a good woman, that's what you do for the family, right? You hold it together, despite, you know, I'm working late, um, or whatever the excuse is, right? Like you look at all of the archetypes throughout history of male-female relationships, the woman has been the one that has been expected to accept those things. No doubt. In, in, in addition to what Deb is saying, um, I have a different perspective as it relates to you know this relationship dynamic. Coming from a family of nothing but strong women, where there was minimal male presence being brought up by my grandmothers, my great grandmothers. These were things that were not tolerated. These were things that we stood our ground with. These were things that we exerted ourselves with and we communicated about. So just as David was stated, you know, men are oftentimes more possessive. Well, so are women, you know, on the flip side, there are some possessive women where you may have heard a woman say this about you maybe your homeboys, where that's my man, I invested my time in him, I invested all of this energy in him, and 
I'm not going to let some other woman come in and, you know, mess this up and take what I've worked so hard to build. So then there comes in that, you know, possessive, this is mine. This is not yours. You're not taking it, you know? And so you have it to me, I think it's individualized and it's very specific. So just like you were saying, David, it cannot be generalized because everyone's different. You have your ethical values, you have your religious values, you got your childhood experiences, your young adult experiences, all of those things come into play and really shape how we make decisions. So. You know, Shay, that's, that's, that's brilliantly spoken. I, I, I couldn't say it um, any better. And, and honestly, you know, here's my overall, and this is, gonna, this is gonna seem funny, especially considering the type of show this is. Will and Jada's business is Will and Jada's business. Um, I pray for them. I, I, I hope they get what they want out of it. And, and what I'm saying is if, if they want to work it out, I pray they work it out. If they want to part, I pray it goes apart. I pray they get their family together, their priorities together. Unfortunately, their family is under a huge microscope and everybody's looking to see what the next step is. And it makes me glad I'm not a celebrity because I can do what I do. You could do what you do. Y'all could do what y'all do. And the only person looking is the person next to you because most people respect you know, your privacy. But one of the things you mentioned, and, and, and I think we all just touched on it, we can't be general about this. It's all individual because we're just different, right? I'm definitely different from Caleb. Shay, you're different from Deb. But, you know, from just as gender, we're different. You know, men deal with stuff differently than women, period, right? And vice versa. Not better or worse, just different. So, you know, back in, I want to say 80, no, no, it had to be like 94, 95, um, Caleb hit me up one day and he was like, hey, you got to read this book. And I said, what's the book? He said, it's called uh, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. I was like, that's a stupid title if I've ever heard it. But, <laughs> but I read the book and I was like, man, and it actually gave me a lot of insight into relationships and what it looks like and perception as far as how we deal with the opposite sex. So let's talk about that a little bit. I think, um, you know, this is where the conversation gets fun, real, and, and cautious. If I could just put some yellow tape across the screen, I would, because this is, this is where it can go. But there are common and, and well-known differences between men and women, and I'm not talking about the biology of anatomy. Um, let's, let's talk about that. What, 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 what's, what's, what's a difference, Deb, between men and women, um, you know, in a, in a word, in a phrase? What do you see? Um, hmm. Or Shay. I mean, I don't want to, you know. Shay, you go first. Okay. Um, so when I'm thinking about the differences, oftentimes men are more analytical, more logical. You know, you might have women that, you know, are more emotionally driven you know, and make decisions based on emotions. I'm not generalizing and saying all women do or all men do. But when you really think about the two genders, those are terms that oftentimes come up when you really, you know, are looking at the two. Among yeah. many others. I would say men tend to be fixers. Like when there's a problem, they don't waste a lot of time talking about what the problem is or the why behind it. They just want to come up with the solution. And, and as women, generally speaking, we do a whole lot more trying to process through and understand the intention and, and the why behind somebody, you know, what somebody has done or said. Um, and we, I agree with Shay, stay in that emotional space quite a bit longer. Wow. Um, okay, I'm about to get on the couch. Get on the couch. Let's go. Y'all got it. That way? 
uh, y'all got to start uh, doing this. Okay, so I'm, I'm having a discussion with my, my wife, my girl, my spouse, you know, and she's telling me about her problem. And, and I'm listening, playing like double dutch, just rocking back and forth, waiting for my chance to get in. Because I'm just yeah. waiting for the moment. To give her the fix. There it is. Okay, look, yeah. here's what you do. You go tell her that she did this, this, that, and the other. And when I'm done saying what I said, what I said, she looks at me and she's like, ah, typical. And she gets up and walks away. Why would she do that? Were you even listening? Yeah, I was listening. I was listening <laughs> exactly what the problem was so I could give her the fix. Why but that's so that's the difference right because women we just want to talk it out and be heard we're not necessarily asking for a solution we're not asking for you to fix it we just want you to listen right and so what did i disagree I, why would you bring up a problem to somebody right. if you don't want it fixed when you call me because you got a problem it's because you're looking for advice right not all the time there are times when we are dealing with situations and we just need to unload. We just want to be heard. We just vent. want someone to exactly vent, to empathize with our situation and what we're going through and be there for us in the moment. And just like Deb stated, as women, more times than not, we're more process oriented. So we'll, the gift of gab, we're just talking and talking. <laughs> and, you know, and you'll see the man like land the plane, get to the point. What's the essence of the start? Like, dude, she didn't. Why are you telling me what block she grew up on? Tell right. me what she said. None of that's hey. relevant. Just get to it so I can fix it, so I can move on. I'm, I'm laughing over here. task oriented. <laughs> I'm laughing over here. Like, if you have these girlfriends that think like you and you just want to be heard, then why are you bringing it to me? Just talk to your girl. I don't want to hear it. I got some Well, then don't ask me about my day. Hey. <laughs> you have to ask about the day. We want <laughs> And it got hit with it. So, and again, we're we're just laughing. I, I'm I'm really this, but the 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 other piece is, and this is a real question: How do we know the difference? So, if you just told me about your day, you told me what's going on. Maybe this time in your mindset, you're actually looking for some help. You're looking for some advice. You're looking for some counsel. You're looking for wise words. You're looking for how would you handle this if this situation were you? How do we as men know the difference in that situation? So, if it's me. You'll know because I'm going to ask you that, right? If it's just, I need to tell you about what Shay did to me today. I can't believe this, but, 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 then that's all that's going to be said is I'm going to tell you all the stuff that happened, right? If I want advice, then all of that's going to be tied up at the end with, if you were in my shoes, how would you handle that? Right. Or what should I do next? Mm -hmm. Right. So in this situation, you know, once again, I believe it depends on the individual, you know, and their communication style, because not everybody's communicators, not everybody's going to be vulnerable and share those feelings. You know, some people will just wear them. So when, you know, their partner, their boyfriend, their friend asks what's wrong, nothing, you know, <laughs> and I'm sure you guys received the nothings before because we've done the nothings. So, Baby, I know something's wrong with you. Well, no, no, I don't want to talk about it, you know, and then you, you, you have to go through that battle with us, that tug of war to try to figure out what was going on. And in essence, like Deb said, sometimes we just want to invent, sometimes we just want to release that stuff. And sometimes for those of us that, you know, communicate, we'll ask, well, what do you think I should do? You know, was I wrong for what I said to this person? Well, how would you have responded? Mm -hmm. So for those of us that that's our communication style, you'll know when we're asking for help versus when we just need to vent and unload. 
I think the biggest takeaway too is when you're on the receiving end of a conversation like that, if you're in the position where you feel like you're playing double dutch, you're not listening to listen, you're listening to respond. You're, you're already thinking about the solution. You're already troubleshooting it. And what we're, what, if I'm in that situation with you, what I'm wanting is just for you to be present with me and listen, I don't need you to be thinking about what you're going to say next. I need you to be present in what I'm saying right now. That's funny, man, because I'm listening to respond like, okay, I got this solution. You want me to sit down here for like another 45 minutes. And so you can complain about your girlfriend and I got other things to do. I, I got a solution for you. Tell her how you feel and be done with it. Right. But, and I'm playing double Dutch because there's in my, in my opinion, I don't want to, I don't want to invest the next 30 minutes, next, the next hour talking about things that I've already talked to you about before. And that, especially because you told me to not be friends with that chick anymore. And now here I am in the same situation, right? I told you, about that, to you. I told right. you this is going to happen. Right. <laughs> so, you know, a couple things. One, this is the beauty of that book. And I don't know if you guys ever read it. It's a really old book, but it talks about that on Mars, only time people bring up stuff is because they want a solution. And that, so that's how we're raised. That if, if you're talking about it, it's because you want an answer. On Venus, um, you bring up stuff just to talk. And you really don't want solutions. You just want to be able to talk. And somebody else says, I see what you're saying, or I empathize, or, or what have you. I'm thinking of even the movie, uh, White Man Can't Jump. There's a scene with uh, Woody Harrelson and I can't think of the girl's name, but the, the voice. Um, anyway, she's like, I'm thirsty. Rosie Perez. She's Rosie Perez. Like, I'm yeah. thirsty and my mouth is dry. So he goes and gets her some water and she's like, you stupid. You know, uh, you don't, just because I say I'm thirsty don't mean I want water. He's like, you know, if I'm thirsty, if I tell somebody I'm thirsty, it means if you got something to drink, I would appreciate it. And blah, blah, blah. she's like, no, I want you to empathize and know that. I too know what it's like to have thirst and I feel like whatever, you know, so I, I do hear you, but it's the different perspectives of that group, but, mm -hmm. but it goes deeper than that because mm -hmm. we can all look at the differences between mental and connections between men and women. There's also physical connections or physical differences. I'm not talking about anatomy. I'm just talking about like body structure, size, mm -hmm. um, um, you see a guy with a size 14 shoe and you're like, you know, that's a, that's a, you know, big guy. You see a woman with a size 14 shoe and you're like, damn, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> and you and go from there. But even in the marketplace, you know, one of the things that comes up these days is like, like pay in the marketplace. You know, a woman who, um, my, my sister, who's my twin, I don't have a twin sister, but my sister, who's my, is a twin, we went to high school together, we got the same exact grades, got the same exact score on the SAT, we went to college, got the same exact, we got hired by the same company in the same department, but I, she now works for me, right? Because I promote faster, and it's not because I'm smarter, it's because I'm male, right? Mm -hmm. And in, the, in a lot of companies, that's just the norm. And even for the companies where it isn't the norm, if you look at the marketplace of that company, it's still the norm. Um, how do you feel about that? How do I feel about it? Well, I mean, nuts and bolts, it's, it's unequal, right? Um, for every dollar that a white man makes, a white woman makes 80 cents, a person of, a woman of color makes 64 cents. That's just the fact right now. Um, so, you know, if we're doing the same thing and we're capable of the exact same output, 
there is zero reason why we should not be making the same amount of money. Agreed. So although I agree with Deb, that is not the world we live in. Right. So depending on the type of organization you work for, that may be more prevalent. That type of mindset, that type of treatment of women, you know, versus men. You know, in other arenas, you might have, you know, both men and women working and they all come in on equal playing fields and it's more based on experience. It's more based on their educational system. So, you know, depending on what that organization, what that career path looks like, you know, you'll have or you'll see some of those unconscious or conscious, you know, attitudes about, well, I'm a man, so I should get, you know, $10,000 more than Shay because she's a woman. Although Shay has the same degree, although Shay has the same experience, there's almost like, and I'm not, I don't want to overgeneralize. So I don't want to make the men mad at me. I love, all, you know, all men. We already want to make sure. Right. Like, but I mean, some <laughs> folks have that machismo attitude. Like I'm the man, this is what I deserve. This is what I'm worth, you know, and the woman will receive the lesser pay. I, I don't agree with it, but that's where we're at. I think too, sometimes, uh, and this is going to be controversial to say, but I think okay. sometimes um, it's on us a little bit as women, because I don't think, I think that because we have traditionally been placed in these subservient roles, these passive roles, um, the societal expectation that we just be grateful for the scraps that we get, that we don't advocate for ourselves um, on a broad scale, the way that men do. Men will go in, you know, if it's a job where you can negotiate your salary and they will shoot for the moon. And we don't feel entitled or emboldened to do that. And in addition to what you're saying, there's a level of fear associated with it in terms of backlash, in mm -hmm. terms of some type of punishment. So if I go in and advocate to have the same pay as David, you know, is my employer now going to be looking at me like I'm not grateful? Like, is she not happy right. with her job? And then will there be ramifications as a result of that? Right. Well, and that's also, you know, goes down to how women are perceived in the workplace in general, right? If you have a really vocal man who is very knowledgeable and outspoken, that is, they're received with a level of respect and, and presence and authority, right? And if you have a woman who has the same knowledge set... I am. I'm, 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 I'm okay. <laughs> you have a woman who, um, who is authoritative as well. And she's seen as abrasive and unapproachable and mm -hmm. angry and, you know, all of these negative connotations, whereas the man is seen, um, as respectable. In a more positive light. Mm-hmm. Now, what are your thoughts then? It's, it's interesting you say that because I've had this discussion with a number of women and, and I, I, I agree with everything you guys say, just to be honest. But they brought up another perspective that, mm -hmm. David, when you get a job and when you're interviewing and so forth and so on, no one is never in the back of somebody's head, are you going to get pregnant? Mm -hmm. Never in the back of somebody's head that for a long-term process, you might not be here. Mm -hmm. It's never in the back of somebody's head that if your child gets sick, you're going to not come to work. Your wife will stay home. You're supposed to come to work. And mm -hmm. so it goes back to those, you know, for lack of a better word, subservient roles that when it comes to managing the family and so forth and so on, the woman will take a step back and the man will move forward so he can keep being the breadwinner over whatever scenario uh, may be. Um, we, we don't have time to get into, uh, uh, what's, what's it called? Um, 
family family medical act family medical leave fmla fmla or paternity or maternity leave mm -hmm. but you know it's not a federally mandate it's not a federal mandate in the united states versus other countries you know they just get that time i mean it does happen but it's a local it's up to the job how they want to do it but you know a man can have a baby a woman can have a baby and the husband's back at work the next day mm -hmm. right smoking cigars telling his friends, yeah, we had a girl, we had a boy, whatever the scenario may be. A woman's at home and dealing with, you know, healing, recovering, being a mom, et cetera, et cetera. And, and again, generalizations, but typically a woman doesn't have a baby and show up to work the next day, right? A man can. And so those types of things, and this was what was explained to me, these are worries that you never have to worry about as a man. These are concerns that during any interview process or decision to bring you upon, bring you on board, or even promote you, that anybody will ever think because you're a man, right? And so it's like, right. Wow. Think about that question in interview, where do you see yourself in five years, right? That's a very different question from a man to a woman in terms of that connotation. Because if I see myself, if I'm pre-kids and I see myself in five years starting a family, I'm not inclined to say that in a job interview. Right. And a man, I don't even think it would even cross their mind to, to think about that part of things, because why would that impact my work? So when I say, you know, if I'm a man and that question's asked of me, I'm just thinking about the corporate ladder that I'm climbing in five years time. Yeah, I think all of you make excellent points. And um, something that I don't think gets enough credit is that women do a whole bunch of shopping. They do a lot of spending the money, right? Leave my so, Amazon purchases out of this, Caleb. <laughs> and so with women, um, I read something that women are like 80 something percent of, I pulled it, I pulled it up. Women amount, uh, account for 83% of U.S. spending of all consumers, 83%. So they're out and they're buying stuff for them, that Amazon box that's showing up at, at your door, Deb. Deb's door. And they're also buying stuff for their for their husbands, right? For their children. And for the family. Um, and and when women, if women make more money or equal pay, right, then that will boost the economy as well. Right. And so some that often that's not considered, but I have heard the the conversation that that the uh, the points that David made, and I and I and I agree with all three of you that um, if you are just as skilled, then you should be uh, you should be receiving just as much pay. Right. So let me ask you this question: You know, um, um, two executives are walking into the building, right? One's a man and one's a female. Um, should the should, and the man hits the door first? Should he hold that door? Chivalry dead? What do you think? What happens if what happens if he gets there and he walks in and doesn't look back and he and he continues with his day? Is he a less of a man because of that? Should he consider the woman's perspective when we talk about equality? Are those things do those things need to change as well? I'm, I'm a big girl. I can open my own door. <laughs> it does. I mean, it's nice if someone holds the door, I'll hold the door for people. You know, I feel like that's just common courtesy in general. I don't know that any longer it's tied to chivalry or male, female. It's nice when it happens, but I'm not in, I'm not the damsel in distress that needs the man to hold the door open for me for sure. Okay. 
Right. And in addition to that, I think it would be unfair to make an adju a judgment about why an individual maybe didn't hold the door this time. They could have been dealing with, you know, different things. Their mind was somewhere else and to place like, okay, well, Caleb didn't open the door for me. So that means he has no respect for women. He doesn't value me as a person. I think that would be unfair to say, you know, because Caleb in that moment could have been dealing with some personal matter. He could have been focused on his meeting, running things through his head. And he I'm nervous about my interview. Right. And he was completely <laughs> oblivious that I was behind him. So I think to take, you know, an isolated incident and make it so much bigger would be unfair, you know, to whatever gender it is. How about if it's this? Women want to be, women want equality. So like Deb said, she's a big girl. She can open her own door. And I know that Shay's behind me, but I, but I'm, uh, but the, I reached the door first. If, J, if Shay catches the door, great. If not, then uh, I guess that uh, she has to catch her own door. Does that make me less of a man? Is chivalry dead? I guess, not, not less of a man. Let me just ask, is chivalry dead? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Again, is it mandatory yeah. anymore? No. Do I, need you, do I need my husband to throw his coat over the mud puddle so that I don't mess my shoes? No. If he did, I, it would be adorable and really endearing and very sweet and a hearkening back to, you know, days of yore. But it's, it's certainly not something that is expected or needed, but you it's know, nice. But you okay. know, um, I saw something. Hold on one second, Caleb. You mentioned the husband. You said if Caleb walked in front of you and missed a door, it would be an unfair judgment. That's what you said, Shay, uh, to say, you know, to make a judgment on Caleb because of it. But now it's not Caleb. It's your husband. It's your husband, Deb. It's your husband, Shay. You guys are going somewhere together. He walks in front of you, grabs the door, steps in front of you, walks in and doesn't hold it for you. Is there a difference or is it still unfair because he might be thinking of something? Or so yes and. Okay, yes and. The yes and comes down to this. What's the precedent that's been set in our relationship? If my husband is chivalrous and he opens doors for me and he does those things and then he doesn't, I'm gonna question why isn't he? Is it because he's lost in thought on something else? Is something bothering him? Is there a breakdown in our communication, in our respect level? Um, but if it's not something that he's ever done, then there's no expectation for him to do it. So it really depends on that past precedent. I agree 100%. Yeah, I've seen, well said. I've, seen my, I've seen my best friend get out the car, walk around, and open the door for his lady. And I'm thinking... Aww. <laughs> What's wrong with this dude, man? You grew up in uh, Asian man. What's wrong with you? And but that is that is how Dave gets down, right? He gets down, Dave. Dave, that is so sweet. That's real. And I, and I raise boys, and I believe in chivalry. Yeah. And and it's not because my woman doesn't can't do it. It's because she shouldn't have to. That part. And so, um, I you know I've never thrown my coat over a, a, a puddle. But I have held. That's next, Dave. That's next. I do open doors. Um, you know, uh, my wife passed a number of years ago, but you know, her children, our children, if you come, if one of you came over to my house right now and had dinner or whatever, or both of you came over, my children would race outside to your car and they would tell you in the Smith house, women don't open doors. It's made here to do that for you. So I raised my children. I, I believe the chivalry is not dead and it's not because a woman can't, it's because a woman shouldn't have to. Um, right. We need to, I'm raising my boys to respect women to that degree. 
their mom, she wouldn't even get out the car. She'd be like, I'm, I'm sitting right here. And I'll sit right here till you open the door. Right here mm -hmm. till you open the door. And, and you're going to put her in the car as well, even if she's driving, right? And her boys from an early age, our boys from an early age, would see me do it. So when they were old enough to reach a door handle, they'd get on their tippy toes and be, Dad, help you open the door because I got to let mommy out or I got to let mommy in. Right. Whatever the scenario may be. So, yeah, chivalry is not dead. And, um, but I agree. It's not expected. And it shouldn't be a defining stance of who you are as a man or a gentleman or so forth and so on. It's just how I get down. Right. And in addition to that, I think what has happened over the course of time is with, you know, our younger generations, those things aren't being modeled to them. So therefore, they're not being educated about it, you know, and they don't understand the value and the purpose behind it. So because there's that lack of education, that lack of role modeling, you don't see it and it's not as prevalent as it previously was, you know, but if we have more fathers such as yourself, continuing to model that and engage in that behavior and really educate their sons about the value, then it will continue and it'll spread like wildflowers, but we don't have, you know, that's not the overarching, you know, behavior of what we're seeing right now. Do you think, Shay, that that's because of like the breakdown in the traditional American family with, with divorce rates increasing and, and that sort of thing that because couples don't stay together, there's less of that modeling going on, especially when splits are less than harmonious? I wouldn't necessarily attribute it to splits, but oftentimes, um, like perfect example, my brother was raised without his father. He never had a relationship with him, never knew him. So there was not a male figure per se in my brother's life to guide him and to teach him. My husband did not find out who his father was until he was in the 10th grade in high school and he had to take a paternity test. So once again, those male figures weren't present to teach, to guide them along the way. And so oftentimes when there's an absence of those figures, whether it's a parental figure, an uncle, a cousin, those you know, values are not transferred down. Yeah. And so that, that's, you know, the cause of it. It's not transferred down to the men. It's not mm -hmm. transferred as an expectation to the women. Um, you know, the, the lady in my life now, um, you know, we have a great relationship and we'll go get to go somewhere and she'll say, hey, I'll drive. And so I'll go her car door for her and she'll say, oh, you want to drive? You're like, I'm trying to let you in. She's like, oh, yeah, that's right. You know, yeah. um, but when we park, she's out the car quick. Like, I wouldn't even have enough time to get around to the other side of the car door. Mm -hmm. She's going to hear this. And the next time we're in the car together, she's going to be like, I'm waiting. Because you're you going to get my door. You're going to get my door. But, you know, the point is, it's not passed down to either, to either side um, because it's looked at as old fashioned. And we're also right. in an era where independence comes first. And if I let you do that for me, then I'm losing some of my independence, which shouldn't be true. It shouldn't, because again, it's not that you can't, it's because um, you don't have to. Um, there, there, there's a question I really wanna ask. I'm, I'm not going to, only because we have about 10 minutes to go and we got another segment we wanna jump into with you guys and have a little fun. Um, and I know if I ask that question, we're gonna be here all night. So uh, uh, we, we, we might come around to it another time, but, but Caleb and I, we got together and we want to do a, a little thing we call speed round with you. And um, it's going to throw out a word and you share your thoughts on it. Sentence or two, you know, we got about 10 minutes left on this podcast. So we got to get through it and we got 10 words. 
So we're gonna uh, we're gonna go back and forth and throw out a word and um, just share your thoughts on what that means to you. And um, both of you can go either or. You could say I'm a pass on that one. Don't pass on them all. We're we're, we're here to. You're putting us in the hot seat now, Dave. I know. <laughs> That's what this is about. You're supposed right. to be in the hot seat. This isn't supposed to be all that comfortable, but. Um, Caleb, you want to you want to start? Or you want me to start? Pick one. Yeah, I'll, I'll start. So, um, so Shay, when I say um, intimacy, what comes to mind? A really deep connection that's not necessarily physical, but it's emotional. It's a connection between a man and a woman. It's mental. Mm, love that's that. That's what I think of. Deb, intimacy. <sighs> Shay stole everything. Um, yeah. No, <laughs> I, I agree. Um, and I think this is, again, a woman's perspective, right? That it's not physical. It is emotional. It is mental. It, it doesn't necessarily, it can be intimacy between two friends. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, romantic, but it's a, a level of vulnerability that you allow, um, a level of, of exposing your, your true self to someone else. So there you go. Um, Shay, I'm gonna need you to turn off dictionary.com. I saw you reading. I saw your eyes going back and forth across. The no. Uh. <laughs> I'll have to tell you about that later, <laughs> but yes. So, um, okay, no, cool. Um, next one, politics. Hmm. Present day, divisive right. as heck. <laughs> um, gosh, I, I love the, the divisive. Um, I would say when I'm thinking about politics, who's the holder of the power, you know, looking at it through that lens, you know, and those that are fighting, you know, to be heard, to be seen, to not necessarily be equal, but to be respected as a human, as an individual, as a person. You know, because we're not always going to be seen through the eyes of each other and equal, but, um, you know, definitely divisive, definitely not equal across the board in how we see it. These ladies are deep, man. Oh, yeah. All right. Deb, war. <sighs> Unnecessary um, flexing of power, um, forcing of one's beliefs, values, and customs on another for your own gain. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that sums it up for me. Me on the flip side, sometimes it is necessary. Sometimes you have to protect your community. You have to protect, you know, your beliefs, their values when they might be threatened. So sometimes it is necessary. Sometimes it may not be necessary. You know, but it could bring upon peace. It could bring upon understanding. It could bring upon division. Depending I on think, what you're at war for. Yeah, I hear you. I think for me, what comes up is that I, I usually see war from the perspective of the aggressor, right? Mm -hmm. A forcing of one's will upon someone else, whether it be my religious beliefs. And so I'm going to crusade into an area to make everybody believe what I think is the truth, right? or I believe in democracy and every other political system needs to get on board with democracy. And so I'm going to, you know, we, we are going to storm in and teach them the way um, because we know better than y'all. 
Um, and so for me, that's why the word unnecessary comes up is because so often they're started, wars and conflicts are started by people who are trying to gain more power and control over others rather than letting people be and believe and do as long as it's not hurting me. Okay. Deep. These, they're going Sorry. deep than I, than I Sorry. Yeah. No, I, 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 I marveled when you said unnecessary. Shay, I was glad you came over the top. I, I, I think both of your points are so valid with that. But, you know, what I will say, um, the four of us are only able to have this conversation here tonight because of war. Mm -hmm. Right? Nothing that we've ever gained came peacefully. Mm -hmm. and so there had to be a battle somewhere to get. And, and that battle goes all the way back. You could think back to the battle in the Garden of Eden. You could think to, you know, the Civil War. You can think to uh, uh, um, uh, post-Juneteenth. You could think, you know, any number of battles you can think of across the country, across, this, across the world. We've, we're all able to be here at this moment because of war. So sometimes, just like you said, it is necessary. I think it's overused would be my word. Um, and it's uh, oftentimes used as a, a, a B option instead of an option. So anyway, um, security. Peace. Um, and I don't mean free from conflict. I just mean like peace of mind, um, not feeling threatened, um, not being worried about my finances, my well-being, whether it be physical, emotional. Um, the, the safety of myself, my family, my loved ones, that's security. I agree. Okay, Shay, success. Wow. It can be measured in so many different ways. Um, I would say success as one's own personal happiness and sense of accomplishment that's not necessarily measured by degrees, not necessarily measured by monetary you know, earnings, but one's own internal sense of peace, sense of happiness, and um, just I've accomplished what I've set out to accomplish, you know, based on my path, my choice, not somebody else's choice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that I could have said it better. I think it really is self-defined. Um, breaking free from or accomplishing more than people expected you to. Um, for me, it's proving people wrong. Tell me I can't do something and I'm going to show you <laughs> that I can. Um, and then I'm, I'm going to quietly rub it in your face. <laughs> um, <laughs> all up in there. Um, what I think of is freedom. When I, when I think of success, I think of freedom. Excellent. Last one, and we already touched on it a little bit. Um, love. Mm -hmm. Love. Mm, what a construct, love. Companionship, um, mutual respect, admiration, um, supporting one another, um, openness, kindness, mm -hmm. willingness to, to work on things because nobody's perfect, That's acceptance. Good. That's what I was going to say, acceptance, you know, being able to accept someone, you know, no matter who they show up to be today versus tomorrow, you know, and the love piece. <laughs> unconditionally. <I> can, <laughs> right. I was like, are we going back there to unconditional love? Oh. <laughs> yes. Unconditionally. 
All right. You stole my line, Caleb. I was going to be like, nobody said unconditional. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, was like nope. No, uh, I, I think like too, David you... said, unconditional love for our children. Right. You know? Right. Remember that. Yeah. I think too, a really important component of that is, is self-reflection, right? Like if, if you're not in a place where you can own your own stuff um, and be willing to have some insight and be willing to grow, are you really able to show up for somebody else? Yeah. That's yeah. What's up. That's what's up. I have a question for both of you. Deb, what are you listening to? What am I listening to? Mm -hmm. Everything. Gosh, um, it depends on what I'm doing. So um, as some of you know, I took up running since COVID. So if I'm trying to get my pace up, it's a lot of hard rock, fast paced, punk rock, you know, um, or, or real intense dance stuff because I got to keep my pace with it. Um, if I'm in a, a sullen mood, then I'm listening to some slower stuff. I, I'm all over the place with my musical choices. All right, all right. Shay, what you listening to? So it does depend on my mood, but I tend to um, lean towards more hip-hop, more rap music, upbeat tempos. Um, sometimes the language is vulgar, sometimes the language is clean. It's just whatever I'm feeling in that moment. So I might have um, some Luke, you know, in my playlist. I, I like Luke. I might have some old school DJ Quick. I might have some, you know, new stuff. So it's, it's a wide range of music. I like this girl, yeah. man. Yeah. I like her. Man, that's what's up. That's why it's a little bit. That was unexpected, man. Yeah. That was unexpected. Um, in preparation for today's um, podcast, I listened to some Queen Latifah. Mm -hmm. Ladies first, right? Ooh, ladies first, ladies first, right? I listened to a little bit of that, but also I put on some Push It. Right, ah, for say and some salt and pepper. Um, I put on some push. Yes. You know, you know, push it. Of course. Push it. And I got the dance. Baby, baby. Just don't get any lady marmalade on, okay? Because then Shay and I are in big trouble. Dave, what are you listening to? Let me find a playlist. I got two songs for you, and this is just going to show you the parent in me. Um, this morning, I was listening to I Swear by... Oh, wow. All for one? Wow. By the moon, the moon and the sun. Yeah. So that's crazy. Like, we all know that. <laughs> and wow. I swear, I swear. Look at, look at that. It's <laughs> all the parts. Harmonizing. It reminded me. Wait, put, put the finger in the ear. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hit that note, David. You got it. Of, I think it was probably like 2010, whenever Despicable Me 2 came out, they had on that soundtrack was Dominions singing <laughs> I Swear. And wow. I saw Xavier, he's 13 now, but he was three in the backseat of the car, in his car seat, a minivan, singing the Minions version word for word. I was like, how does my three-year-old know this? these lyrics? <laughs> <laughs> so we were having dinner tonight. I asked him, I was like, yo, man, um, you still remember that song? He's like, I don't even know, but I'm going to think about it. So after this show, he's probably going to be Session. like, no, I don't have it or whatever. Mm -mm. Yeah, all for one, man. I swear. That's all what for one. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm digging your playlist, Shay. That's what's up. Yep. 
my playlist is lit. My playlist is popping. <laughs> it is. I'm going to tell you, you get in my car, you're going to hear something from the 80s. I mean, that's just how I get <laughs> down. So, um, hey, listen, you guys have been a part of uh, the Brothers from the 818 tonight. We want to uh, just send an extra special uh, shout out to our lovely guests tonight, uh, Shay and Deb. Um, we couldn't have done this without you. Um, I really appreciate your transparency um, and just the level of you that you guys brought it. Um, anytime we have a guest on this show and people ask, and we know them sometimes, we were like, you're not real enough. We don't want you to say what you wanna hear. We wanna hear what needs to be said. And, and so we thank you guys for doing that. Um, for the rest of you, we hope you enjoyed the show as well. Um, again, you've been a part of Brothers from the 818. Um, we're available on, uh, you can follow us on uh, Twitter at 818brothers, Instagram at Brothers from the 818. We're on YouTube. You probably knew that because you're watching this right now. Um, and then we're also uh, streaming on multiple uh, music services, uh, Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, um, et cetera. Um, we thank you for being a part of our show tonight. We just ask that you keep on watching and we'll keep on showing up and doing our thing. Um, Caleb and I have just been best friends for a long time and we got an opinion on everything and we love to share it with you. Uh, we love that we got to share with you two lovely ladies tonight and we look forward to uh, doing it again sometime. So um, on behalf of Pacoima, California, hit it Caleb. What is it? Nine, one, three, three, one. All right, we out. <laughs> and peace out. Peace out. Bye y'all.